Hello and welcome to Board Stupid, the podcast that loves talking tabletop board games, D&D and other awesome stuff. I'm Wayne. I'm Simon. Just a couple of nerds talking about the things we love that are worth geeking out over. So Simon, are you ready? I am ready. If you guys are ready, let's dive into this week's episode. This week, we played Pandemic Iberia. We played as a series where we talk about an epic board game that we played this week. And this week, it's the disease-researching, illness-treating, railway-building, water-purifying, cooperative behemoth, Pandemic Iberia. In this episode, we'll be diving into the things we liked and breaking down the elements that make it great. Because at the end of the day, we only play awesome games. And Pandemic Iberia is pretty sick. Yeah, that uh, I, 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 I get. Yeah, yeah. One, one could almost say it was the illest of cooperative board games. Mm, that's not. It's <laughs> a. It's a. It's it's overdue. This one, isn't it? Really, considering current. It's climate. very overdue. This one for sure. Um, this game or this version of the game was released in 2016. Plays two to five players. Plays in around 45 minutes. The original principal design of Pandemic was by Matt Leacock. This is one of the co-designed spin-off versions of Pandemic, and the co-designer of this version is Jesus Torres Castro. Uh, the art is by Atha Kanani and Chris Williams. Published by Z-Man Games, who is a sort of large and fairly prolific publisher of some of the absolute classics of modern board gaming. So the entirety of the Pandemic IP, Agricola, Carcassonne, La Havre, Love Letter, Splendor, Stone Age, Terra Mystica, um, to name a few of their their massive catalogue. So Pandemic Iberia is a cooperative game focused on treating disease in the Iberian Peninsula. But in contrast to the modern setting of sort of vanilla pandemic, um, Iberia is set in 1848 during a historically significant time period, which was the construction of the first railroad in the Iberian Peninsula during the Spring of Nations. Um, which is fairly relevant when it comes to some of the mechanics in the game, which is quite interesting to know. Pandemic Iberia asks you to take the roles of nurses, railwaymen, a rural doctor, a sailor, and some others to find the cures to malaria, typhus, yellow fever, and cholera. You'll need to travel by coach, uh, by boat, by train, to help out the Iberian populace. And while doing so, you need to distribute purified water and help develop the railways to slow down to slow down the spread of diseases before they spiral out of control. Now, I like this one. I'll put it out there straight away. It's, we'll, we'll get to the, how I think about this particular version of Pandemic Iberia, but Pandemic as a concept I've loved. One of my, it's one of my first real modern board games that I got into, and I love the design. Yeah, it's kind of simple but quite deep as well in, in, yeah. in certain aspects. It's, it's fun. This is the only version I've played, so I, I will only be able to... Mm. give feedback on the iberia version but i think conceptually the game plays the same yeah quite right yeah conceptually the, the game plays pretty similarly so let's start as we always do and let's talk about the components and art design of pandemic iberia this for me um if you guys out there have played vanilla pandemic you have that sort of modern looking uh, contemporary board this is gorgeous it the map is dated in a way that it feels old and the artwork reflects that yeah, it is quite pretty, and I wouldn't necessarily use that term for many other games, but it it is nice to look at. It's got some classic, I, I suppose, Iberian style, um, almost kind of tile-like designs in certain places with 
nice detailed repeating patterns and you say it's got that kind of classic traditional faded map like an old like an older globe yeah like an old globe yeah that's right quite muted color sets um you've got some highlights reds yellows blues and blacks um which play quite prominently into the area design um but otherwise yeah nice kind of subtle color palette yeah very subtle color palette and very i would say the design work on this is is classy which is very oldie worldy but it looks it looks it looks class i really like it. it looks like it could be made out of leather Oh yeah, yeah exactly. or a leather bound one. Like a leather bound. My friend one, Anthony yeah. has a of the the regular version. He has a collector's one, which is done very nicely. I think this could similarly be done with. Yeah, one hundred percent. That very high spec. If someone chose to, uh, yeah, it's it it's functional without too much flair. I think it it, yeah. it it does itself well to not be overly flashy with anything. The game comes with a variety of cards that are used for a variety of purposes, which we'll talk about later. You have um, the infection deck and the player deck, and you have player roll cards. And all of those have very nice sort of backs with these repeating patterns. I assume that they have some sort of relevance to the uh, to the region in terms of their artistic design. Yeah, I can only assume it, it's a classic design from the region and the era. Yeah, it, I'd imagine that is the case, considering how, um, how thoughtful they've been with things like the uh, railroad and the gameplay mechanics. Along with the card stock and the and the uh, and the game board, you also have a variety of um, you have meatballs, you have wooden cubes, and you have some other wooden pieces to represent hospitals, and that's pretty much the bulk of it in this game. That's pretty much it. Yeah, a couple of other card tokens which are dispersed as you play, but yeah, nice, nice and simple little wooden pieces for the uh, the main player pieces and the infection. And you use all of them. <laughs> you use all of them. Yeah, quite right. Um, and I think it's something that we don't really talk about too much on Board Stupid, but we probably should, is we should start talking about the setup time for some of these games. Because games like Western Legends is a surprisingly quick setup, considering the, the amount of things in that game. Pandemic Iberia, another very quick, easy setup and easy pack down. Yeah, it's not one you need to worry about at all. It's, it's that streamlined design. There's only a, a limited number of pieces in a no- limited number of places. Uh-huh. And there's not much more to it. A couple of minutes, maybe five at most for the first setup, just for familiarity's sake. But. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's it's plain sailing. Yeah, good to um, go. I'm going to contrast that. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because I've been setting up um, Batman Gotham City Chronicles, what feels like three years. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's it, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a new one for you, so there's that lack of familiarity. But yeah, that one's been... I'd say taking you 20, 30 minutes at least in the front room. The game comes with five player aids, which is essentially their, their a playing card size. Very simple. Um, lists out all of the main familiar actions that you're going to be used during the game, which we'll go through in detail um, as part of this uh, review. And it comes with a very well laid out, very thoughtful rule book, which doesn't over explain anything. It gives great examples of everything. Everything is very clear and everything is easy to find. Um, I didn't have any issues with finding what I needed in the in the rules. It's a simple rule set to learn. The only thing that confused me was the fact that there are some arrows printed on the board which have no actual direct input in the game. And I was looking through the rule book and what do these arrows mean? And I had to Google it and it's it's literally just an artistic flair to tell you exactly where that city is on the board because you have these sort of abstractions on the board, little dots um, of different colours which will basically represent cities. Yeah, for the benefit of the gameplay to separate out each city from the next um, so you haven't got too too close together, it's kind of dragged geographically some places out of their actual situation. So these arrows are just literally saying, 
This actually belongs here and we acknowledge that. Yeah. <laughs> but so you can play the game without stomping on top of each other. We're, putting we're it just going to pull this an inch this way. So Yeah, that's right. Because inevitably someone will go, oh, that's not where Madrid is. Oh, yeah. Some knob <laughs> end out there, I'm sure, will, would have said that and had yeah. some sort of complaint. But other than that, it's, it's, it's a nice, clean playboard. Um, quite crucially, I think, it's got the very simple um, order of play printed on the board. So yeah. you don't even need to the player aid in that sense, other than to describe the, your actual actions but mm-hmm. the, the turn order as it were is on the board itself which is quite yeah it's quite, quite nice good. it's quite handy um and i guess just further description of the board uh for those listening it's again literally a map of the I- iberian peninsula with major cities throughout the entire iberian peninsula printed on it with each one given a colored dot which would um which represents a, a disease which may be spread throughout that region and all those cities are connected in some way to one another via uh, sort of carriage or travel lines. So how do you win Pandemic Iberia? There's one way to win, many, many ways to many lose ways to the lose. game. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, Again, this is a cooperative game, so you're playing together to try and win. Yeah, so as Wayne said, there's, there's four main colours on the board, blue, black, red and yellow, each of them representing a different disease. And to win the game, you need to uh, research each of those before some other failure happens which might be running out of time or just it literally reaches pandemic levels and everyone dies yeah, <laughs> to a degree yeah well essentially that you're quite right there is only one way to win the game that is research the four diseases and the ways that you lose the game is either you run out of cards in the player deck which represents the time before the game i.e., you are too late to stop the spread the infections explode and, and spiral out of control through a variety of outbreaks. So the outbreaks go out, out of control and there's a little tracker on the right-hand side of the board to tell you how many outbreaks you have. Or alternatively, if you run out of any number of cubes, the little cubes that you get in the game essentially represent per capita of population that are infected by one of those diseases. Red cubes, blue cubes, yellow cubes, and black cubes. If ever you run out of any one of those colours, game ends, you didn't manage to control that disease enough before it spread. So those are some of the ways you lose, and uh, yeah, it's it's quite brutal. I mean, uh, it, this game can be can range from very easy to very challenging. And what I like about it is it gives you that scalability of difficulty out out of the box. It gives you an easy way to adjust it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we at Wayne's insistence played on the hardest level. Of course, we very nearly did manage it the second time round, but very close. Um, yeah, generally, the the way we like to play is is quite close. Um, yeah. So we, we didn't actually succeed in our last two playthroughs. That being said, it's still a lot of fun and you, it, it gives that great degree of tension throughout the game because yeah. you can sit there looking. And because of the way the cubes represent the volume of disease in any given area, you can sit there and critically look at it and go, oh, that's that's something's going to pop. Yeah. Um, and because of the way the mechanic works, you tend to get the same area coming up over and over again, which is terrifying but also leads to as i say quite a a fun level of dramatic tension as you play 100 percent. so the game is essentially split into two phases which each player takes they'll do their actions of which you can do four each turn then after they've done their four actions they will do the infection so they'll infect cities they'll draw player cards and they'll infect cities so we're going to talk about those two phases separately so let's talk about those player actions and the things that you can do on your turn so starting with the more simple stuff like moving so one of the first things you can do is you could move by carriage or boat. Yes, yeah, a simple point-to-point movement. You move your pawn from one city to another, essentially, right? 
That's right, yeah. Um, anything on land is one simple move. If you are moving by ship, unless you are the specific uh, sailor character, which allows you to do so at no further cost, if you're moving from one port to another, you need to have a corresponding city colour card of the destination. Yeah. So, for example, you're starting out in the top left in the blue of Acoruña, and for some reason you need to immediately get to Malaga. That's totally possible, and you can move down there mm-hmm. via a ship. If you are the sailor, you just make that movement. If you're any other player, you need to have a black city card in your hand because Malaga is a black city. Mm-hmm. And if you want to move there, you need to spend that card. Essentially, it goes to the waste pile. Mm-hmm. It then therefore takes that card out of the game. So you need to have that as a consideration as well if you're looking to collect the color, certain colored cards. And there's a good reason you need to collect the colored cards, which we'll cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it... it most most journeys are, are by land um, so if it's not the carriage then it might be by railroad but first of all you need to build the railroad yeah quite right and it's important to know when you're doing that move by carriage i.e moving just from point to point movement from one city to the next adjoining city you can do that multiple times so you can spend all four of your actions just moving if you want you can yeah it's definitely the slowest option and generally yeah. you wouldn't move for individual spaces you tend to do two moves mm. and maybe two other actions um mm. often if you think you're going to have to move a lot then we would again get back to that laying of the railroad yeah. and, and start heading that down that means if you need to move back and forth uh, the movement is quicker so yeah let's talk about that then so one of your actions you could literally help build the railroad as part of the um, game components you have a bunch of what looks like mini railroad track tokens yeah you would take one of those and you would place them on one of the lines which connects two cities the next time you move, the entirety of the space that's connected by railroads, you can do for one action, for one move. Yeah, it becomes an absolutely vital uh, ability later in the game, or even fairly early on in the game, yeah. let's be honest. Um, it's very hard to get around in the early game, and you kind of need to. Yeah, there's 48 cities, I believe, across the map. Mm. Um, so if you imagine getting from west to east, or north to south, or mm-hmm. uh, even off to one of the islands that are on there, takes quite a lot of movement but once you have that railroad connected you can get all the way from let's say porto down to alicante if it's railroaded that's just a move that's one of your four actions if Mm -hmm. there's significant railway all joining those those cities along the way you can Mm. choo-choo your way across the country yeah exactly and the reason you're going to want to get to these places and get around the place is basically the core control of the game is treat disease which is to take one of those cubes which again represents a per capita of population that's infected by one of the four diseases, you get to take it off the board. So one of your actions means you take one cube off the board. If you want to spend all three of your actions in a place, you can take three cubes off the board. But crucially, you can only take cubes off the board for the city that you're in. Yeah, and there's I think it was nine cities start with a level of infection. Correct. So some will have one degree, some will have two cubes, some will be fairly heavily contagious right from the offset, so they'll have three cubes on immediately Mm. at the start of the game Uh, these are drawn at random from the uh, infection deck and again there's a card for each city so there's a a equal likelihood of the disease being anywhere across the map Mm. Um, but whether the players happen to start in any of those places or whether they'll need to journey to start fighting that infection uh, comes into it quite quite quickly 100 i was lucky enough to start in two local cities that were both quite heavily infected so my turn Mm. at the uh, start of the game was to immediately remove infection i happened to be there Mm -hmm. and i could get that under control but if i'd been in the middle of the country and they were on the coast i'd have had to spend two three turns getting there 
before we can yeah. start doing anything about it. No, 100%. All the time, those cities boiling with this disease. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and getting worse and worse, which yeah. we'll talk about during that infection step and why that's important to, to manage. Um, just briefly as well, when we talked about Build Railroad, that's one of the new mechanics in this game. Because this is set in the 1800s, sorry, 1900s, so 1848, I think I said. Um, there is no flight. You don't, you don't easily get a catch a plane from one side to the other. Um, there's no easy transport. There's no car riding. So whereas in the original pandemic, you could burn cars to fly to different cities, there is none of that. So that's why the railroad building is so, uh, so important um, and is a new mechanic to this version. Another new mechanic to this version is to purify water. Now, tell us a little bit about purifying water because this is a very cool and very, very important mechanic in this game. Yeah, this became crucial, a kind of a clutch uh, play when you could get it out there. Um, as we say, each city is joined by a line to the surrounding cities and these uh, lines join up to create regions. Mm. If you're in a city connected to a region, then you can choose to purify the water within that region, so the space between a certain set of cities. Mm -hmm. Some of them are as small as only uh, three cities, essentially a triangle mm -hmm. um, made between three cities. Others are up to five or I think maybe six. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can manage to get water down in the space between those six cities, when it gets to the point of infection, instead of uh, adding another cube to the city that is due to be infected, you simply remove one of the purification tokens. Mm. So it really stops that spread of disease, uh, which, as I say, becomes a very, very crucial element and saved our ass a number of times. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, very, very important. And uh, like someone says, it is absolutely clutch, especially at the higher difficulties to, to really bring it under control. And again, to do that is essentially much like the rest of the game. You are discarding cards that match the, 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 the colour of the region that you need to purify in order to, to do it. That's right, yeah. So it's not as simple as just arriving going, I will now save this place. You need to have the card relevant to the city or area that you're trying to purify. Um, and like we said, when you are travelling from port to port to discard um, city cards to do that, or, or when you're purifying water to discard city cards, it might seem, okay, why, why wouldn't you? And there's a very good reason, because in order to research the disease, which is the only way that you win the game, you have to collect five cards of the same colour. But in order to cure it, we need to build a hospital. And that's another thing that you need to spend cards for. Yeah, you have to have the city card that you want to build the hospital in. So if I'm in, uh, let's say, Granada, mm -hmm. and I have the Granada card, I can dispose of that, burn that card, and build the hospital that means that's one less card of that color that's available to build the five that you need to then research at the hospital so it makes you use the card that you need yeah cards to are, get to the point that you yeah. need to use it it's it's they're both a resource and a win condition which is quite interesting yeah it's kind of tricksy obviously there's only 12 of any given color because there's 48 mm -hmm. total divide by four that's 12 per color um mm -hmm. so if you need one to build the hospital five to research it that's half of the that particular availability just to get to that win condition yeah so if you're ripping through them moving around or purifying, purifying water willy-nilly yeah um, then yeah you'll quickly dwindle down that pack and because there's other cards also in the in the city decks that you'll be pulling out mm -hmm. beyond the actual cities themselves mm -hmm. you can't guarantee that you're just going to be able to pick up the one you'll need next turn so we talked about researching a disease and building a hospital and the final thing that you can do on your turn as one of your four actions is to share knowledge. Um, this is uh, difficult to do. It's a laborious process, but is absolutely essential in order to win the game. And what you're essentially doing is handing another card over to another player 
um, in order to, so they can complete their set of five cars to cure a disease. That's right. Yeah, not as easy as that though. It, yeah, it's it's purposefully tricky. Um, yeah, it's kind of a cunning and sly game mechanic, which yeah, yeah, yeah. totally understand why they've done it. Because if you could just say, "Oh wait, now I've got three red cards. I'll give them to you on give my turn." Yeah, like, yeah. No, I need to go to Madrid to give you this one, and then I need to go to Burgos to give you the next, and then we both need to somehow get to Leon for me to give you the last yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, there is a couple of different ways where you are able to actually just hand them over on your turn mm. um, but they are limited in the the freedom to do that generally you need to be with the person in the city to get that one particular card from them correct so say for example i've collected four out of the five red cards that i need and uh simon has the last one and it just so happens to be valladolid in order for simon to give me that card or for me to take it we both have to meet in valladolid and then I can take it or he can give it to me. So it's uh, it really forces you to really work together to um, work out where you're going to move and to try and be as efficient as you can on the way to, to meeting each other there. There's also the special event cards, which are dispersed throughout the player deck. Um, so the player deck mainly consists of uh, the corresponding city cards, um, so those 48 coloured cards uh, representing each city. There's also a, new, a number of special event cards which give you special effects, essentially. Yeah. Most of these are play at any time, so you can hold them in your hand. They just sit to the side, and you choose um, when's best to do that. One of those is mail correspondence, and that is quite literally any two players anywhere on the board can switch cards. Uh, they're, they're more of a rarity than a, a regularity, so yeah, <laughs> you need to sure. use them wisely. Once you've done your four actions, and again, I must stress that this is after every player you do the infection step, not after every round, which you might imagine, and was how I f very first played Pandemic, which was wrong. Uh, that was only for a round, and I reread it, and I was like, this seems easy, and then, no, now it's actually very hard. So you do your four actions, and then you move to the infection step. There is a tracker at the top which tells you how many cities you need to infect, and there is a deck of infection cards, which again, there's one for every city on the board. You draw the number of infection cards according to what the tracker says, either two, three, or four, depending on how late you are through the game. And you will put a matching cube relating to the colour of that city on the board. Seems simple. However, each city can only have a, have a maximum of three cubes on it. Otherwise, you get an outbreak. Now, what's an outbreak, Simon? This, as it, I imagine, spreads the disease to every neighbouring city. So you track the lines from that city and every city around it then takes on another cube of that colour. So if you're in, uh, let's say... Uh, Zaragoza and it already has three infection uh, markers on it and that comes out of the infection deck and it is due to be infected it can't handle anymore mm -hmm. so that explodes out so you add uh, an infection token to every surrounding city and that one is a particularly bad one because there are one two three four five six surrounding cities <laughs> immediately get an extra infection marker as we say one of the uh, conditions of losing the game is you run out of infection markers so if you dump out six in one turn, mm -hmm. oh dear. <laughs> oh dear, exactly. And also, um, once you have that outbreak, you have, like I said, there's another track on the board which tracks the number of outbreaks you've got. And how many numbers is that that you can have before you end? Uh, eight. Eight equals death. Eight equals death. Eight equals the end of the game. It literally so, has a big skull on it. <laughs> yeah, so once you have that outbreak and the disease spreads, you move that tracker up. And here's the, also another interesting and fun trick of the game. If that outbreak then spreads to other cities that have three cubes on 
that will then trigger like a cascading outbreak yep. and then so on and so on. So you can end up getting two, three, four outbreaks in a turn and the tracker will go up accordingly. Yeah, oh, yeah, you, you can ramp up from, we're probably all right to, oh, no, we're dying. Oh, we're, we're <laughs> this is a problem. After you've done your four actions, you will then draw two cards from the player deck. And the player deck is mostly helpful. Again, it contains a copy of all of the cities on the board. And we're, you're trying to get copies of those cities, you know, matching sets of five in order to research the diseases. So you'll draw two cards from that. That player deck will also contain some very helpful event cards, which we talked about, and which will also help you through the game and give you these great little bonuses. However, it's not all good by a long shot. Yeah, there's these nasty little surprises waiting in there, which are the epidemic cards. Now, this instructs you to move the infection rate up one space. So that will mean that when you get to the infection stage, you're potentially infecting more cities. So rather yeah, than two, two, it's now three. Instead mm. of three, it's now four. You don't want to be infecting any more cities than <laughs> no. you can manage. Uh-huh. Uh, once that's done, you then infect. So you draw the bottom card from the infection deck. So rather than the top ones, which are often in play, you infect mm. a new place. So this place has suddenly had a... a a influx of disease or a burst of some particular pathogen. Yeah, and, and, that, and that instantly gets three infection markers, three of those coloured cubes. So it, is, it goes from fine to, oh. Oh dear, yeah. So it's immediately on the brink. You then intensify. So. Now, just briefly on intensify, yeah. this is the cleverest mechanic that Matt Leacock came up with, uh, and it is the most amazing piece of design. Yeah, so this is to shuffle the cards in the infection discard pile. So that's things that have already been pulled from the infection pile and been infected. So these are already at some critical state. Mm -hmm. They then get put back on top of the deck. Mm. So when it gets to the infection stage, you're more much more likely to pull something that's already infected. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's such a clever piece of design. It is. It's, it's clever and dastardly. The guy must yeah. be... Yeah, just evil genius. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to see you and him playing Rising Sun. Oh Jesus, <laughs> it's brilliant! It's such an amazingly. Um, it's the engine of the game essentially. You are drawing infection cards, and then you're drawing player cards to help complete your your set collection. But during that drawing player cards phase, you might draw something that's going to intensify the board state to make the board state worse, and it's a constant little sense of tension when you're drawing player cards. Like, oh God, please not now! Like, can I just have just city cards and not an epidemic card because one right now could kill the game. Yeah, and the way the deck's built, um, you'll get an epidemic card roughly every one in ten cards. Each player's taking two per turn. Mm -hmm. So very quick, essentially once per round or just slightly more than, uh, sorry, slightly less than once per round. So every, once every one and a half people's turn. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, you'll draw an, an epidemic card. It's, it's essentially inevitable that they'll come out of the deck. Mm. Um the epidemic card uh, largely controls the difficulty of the game as well, right? So we chose yeah. to play with all of the the six six in there. epidemic cards. Yeah, um, you can few... play with as few as four for normal or sort of basic basic difficulty, and then regular difficulty is five. Yeah, so it kind of it changes the tempo in terms of how frequent they're likely to come out. Mm -hmm. Of course, you might uh, with bad slash good shuffling, depending on your your uh, aspect. You might get two epidemic cards back to back, as in turn one per one player pulls one, and then the next player pulls one. I yeah. don't think you can actually get them two epidemic cards in one draw. No, the way the game is set up is very clever. So it advises or well, tells you in the rules to create equal piles of player cards equal to the number of epidemic cards. 
So if you have six epidemic cards, you create six piles, and then you shuffle those piles together. So then uh, shuffle each individual pile and then stack them together, sorry. So it's very unlikely that you'll draw two epidemic cards in a row. Like, very unlikely. Yeah, I think it'd be equivalent of pulling two aces from the deck. Yeah. It? In terms of numbers. Super unlikely. But yeah, and that entire stage of the game is amazing. And when I remember when I played it for the first time in Vanilla Pandemic, it blew my mind as to how clever it was. Such a simple thing to make the game constantly tick with tension and uh, add another layer of, uh, of interest to it. Yeah, because you know that the cities that are already infected are the ones that are likely to be coming out when that epidemic breaks. Mm. You are just sat there constantly micromanaging, thinking... Well, that's got two, that's got three. I'd rather it went on that one in case yeah. that happens. Or I definitely need to make sure that I get there before it happens because then I can purify mm. some water and at least at least quell the uh, the outbreak there. The game comes with two variants that can be added as well, which is an influx of patience variant, which is very cool. So the cubes, which again represents per capita population that are infected, so their patients, will tend to flock to the hospitals to try and get cured. So what they'll do is at the end of the term, they will move towards the nearest hospital should it have been built. And it makes the game more difficult, but also more interesting. You also have this historical diseases variant, which is amazing and something like Yeah, which I would love to play with. So the game, again, is already has scalable difficulty depending on the amount of epidemic cards that you put into it. But also, you have these additional cards that you can add to the game. In the base game, the diseases act the same way. There's no difference between them, between the yellow, the black, the red, and, and the uh, blue disease. But these additional uh, variant cards will make the diseases act in unique ways. Yeah, I'm going to read out the yellow fever one because it's uh, quite nasty. The virus was propagated by the mosquito Aedes aegypti and often affected sea or river port cities. Outbreaks were located in Mediterranean and southern cities and were particularly serious at the beginning of the 19th century. So that's a nice bit of flavour on that card. Hmm. The mechanic of it, when a yellow cube is placed in a port city, so when a anything of a yellow colour gets infected and it's on the coast, you must place a yellow cube in all adjacent port cities as well. Really, really nasty. And again, adds another layer of difficulty and challenge to yeah. an already challenging experience. So, so it triples the infection rate, right? So if yeah. it's adjacent cities, you're going to have one either side. So, Correct, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Really, really cool. And the game says you can add uh, one, two, three, or all four of those if you're an absolute sadist. You would have to be... I mean, I don't know. I've, I'm tempted. The more we play it, we we, we realise there is a degree of essentially maths to this game. You it. can work out patterns of how it will work. So if you're particularly well honed in on that, yeah, you can kind of optimise your gameplay. Yeah. That being said, that's going to be, have to be like perfect game to have all of the epidemics and all of those extra conditions. And yeah. Still not. Just explode in death? I don't I, it's a, I can't see it. It's a tough one. No, no. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk about the um how you feel about it later, but there is just briefly, it's such an elegant design. It's so tight. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the theme of the game. Does the game feel thematic and do the gameplay mechanics work in conjunction with the theme? I like the theme. As I say, I've only played this version of it. Mm. Um, I'd imagine the more modern version, as in setting, will have slightly different feel to it hmm. uh, i think the the design of the pieces and the the way the game works i think the the frustration of not being able to be more effective potentially really ties in quite well to the theme because yeah. if you put your yourself in that place of you know the the 19th century politician or nurse or agronomist doing hmm. their damnedest to stave off this constant outbreak 
and you're you know you're kind of limited in what you can do so yeah. i think it really ties in quite well it, it it works well with the setting i think you're right that sense of tension and not ever really being able to do quite enough or, or always trying your best to do enough but uh, but still things will escalate out of your control because sometimes they will i think mean, it's a fabulous bit of design and i do think that the gameplay mechanics work perfectly with the theme with the whole idea of diseases spreading and how they spread and how they intensify depending on you know um groupings of disease and how intense it is in a certain population area but the way the uh the disease spreads i always i think it's world war z or world war z if you're yeah. an american um either at the beginning or end of that movie it showed the zombie outbreak spreading and it kind of showed oh someone got on a boat from here to here and then mm. phew, and it flower it blooms out from there and you constantly get that that feeling of where's it going to go next or, yeah. well you can kind of know where it's going to go next exactly you're not going to stop it that's what i mean yeah <laughs> well, yeah exactly that you can try and get ahead of it you can try and research it even when you've researched it though and we should point this out yeah researching it doesn't mean it stops no, happening it still it just spreads means you're slightly better at defending against it you're called slightly better at controlling it so once one of the diseases has been researched all that means is any remaining cards of that color that you pull pull from the player deck can be used to purify water whereas normally you'd need to match the color of the region to purify water in that region this time you can also use the colors of any of the uh, diseases you've uh, cured or researched for a game with such sort of, um, I suppose, simple components, despite the the lovely art design, it does a great job of uh, evoking the theme. So let's talk about the gameplay flow. How do you feel about the turn length in this game? I think it's kind of different when you're talking about cooperative games and turn length, because everyone kind of has a hand in it. Yeah, it's quite a unique one in the level of cooperation here. Um, as we've discussed, a lot of the time you need to exchange cards. Mm. and working out whether it's better to do it on your turn or on the person you need to give it to's turn. You'll need to make sure that if you're planning on meeting them somewhere that they are definitely going to go and do that because there's no point in you spending your turn getting to Leon yeah. when they're ending up in Santander. It's a turn wasted, effectively. Yeah. So, yeah, vast amounts of... Uh, even if you're if you're it's, it's not your turn then you still might have an ability that when it comes around to you you're dependent on some players doing some things for you. And it's... Um, and even when it's so, even on your turn, those four actions, they go around a clip. I mean, it, four actions in some games can seem like fairly long, um, but four actions in, in Pandemic is pretty quick. And like you say, everyone is invested in what you're doing because you're all got an input in that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have that, that group dynamic. Um, you can absolutely try and plan ahead um, as other people are moving their way around the board, staving off infection, curing or otherwise. Mm. Um, but obviously at the end of each player's turn, as we've discussed, the epidemics may happen, which will completely swing what it was you're looking to do. So you might be sitting pretty thinking, oh, it's fine, I'll go here, remove mm. a cube, I'll go here, remove a cube. Suddenly there's an explosion the other side of the country. Like, okay, I now need to get to a port and swing all the way around there. Yeah, so or I hope can... that someone's built railroad enough. And Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, it individually doesn't take too long, but cumulatively as a group... Yeah. might slow down with a bit of the discussion but that's absolutely part of the game so it's not like yeah you're not you're not feeling like it's dragging because of it's that it is fundamental to the it's way it plays correct like you said as things get more tense and things ramp up and the board state gets more chaotic and um out of control there's going to be times in the late game which happened to us when we played uh, we played five-handed where everyone's just i can't remember whose turn it was but it, it took probably 10 minutes of real time 
But that's not one person thinking for 10 minutes, or oh, what do I do? It's everyone discussing, yeah. which is really cool. It's like, oh, maybe we should do this. And if you go there and do that, then I'll do this on my turn and we might have a chance to, you know. Yeah, if you build railroad here, I can come and collect you and then pull you with my mechanic to get you to here. And then you If I get you here, and... then that person on their turn can get to the same place and do this thing. Yeah. And then from there, you can go on and do this. It... And then the diff- everyone will have their theory about what might be the best uh, route to take. And it's very cool. Cool experience. Yeah. So how do you feel about the complexity of this game compared to, well, obviously all the other games that we've played on Board Stupid, and we have our normal rating scale? I, personally, I'm going to throw this down at kind of a two. Yeah, two to three for me. The hmm. the fundamental of how it plays is not hard to grasp. We played with a completely new player to contemporary board games or modern design board games last night, and she picked it up just fine. Yeah. I think, and I think that's always a great indicator. If you've got someone that's never played these types of games, and they pick it up in a round, which she did, I think it's pretty pretty good indicator of a the rule set and how the rules are laid out and also the game's general level of complexity yeah it advocates well that it's a, a nicely designed game as you say mm. elegantly designed that it's not something you're constantly having to refer back to how rules work mm. um, what options are it's it's nice and clear the game has a fixed level of strategic depth because there is like you said it's quite mathy there are more efficient routes and less efficient routes to getting your way to victory. This game for me is much more tactical than it is strategic. So you're making the right decision for the situation then. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way of summarizing. What do you like the most about Pandemic Iberia? Two things. The way it can vastly turn from one player to the next in terms yeah. of literal outbreak and explosion of crazy across the globe mm-hmm. or across the peninsula as we are here. Combined with the implicit level of cooperation required Mm. Uh, as you know anyone who's listened to the previous episodes i really love me a co-op game and this is the peak of that i think you can't you can't get anything more cooperative than this Um, and that really yeah plays well for me you're 100 percent right i mean i have played many times uh vanilla pandemic and i've played iberia also an absolute heap of times i for me this is a better version than than the base game the extra couple of additional mechanics, such as the water purification and the uh, railroad lying, really do they add just another interesting level to the game. And like I said, I think it, just taking Pandemic as a general IP, how it encourages cooperation from the very get-go is fantastic. And for me, this is the peak of the genre when it comes to co-op games. Matt Leacock created uh, a masterpiece um, in sort of early 2008, I think it was, when the original Pandemic came out. The fact that it's this isn't the first game you pick up when you buy a family board game and Monopoly is drives me crazy. Because <laughs> even in any other of the versions of the Pandemic, this yeah. is such an amazing, amazing game that you can play with people of varying abilities, people with varying experiences, people that love designer board games and people that are brand new to the hobby. This hits all the buttons. Yeah, if you can bring an outside influence, you're, you can bring other skill sets other than just familiarity with gaming. So, yeah. you know, Monopoly, everyone will play Monopoly largely the same way. Yeah. Yes, there's a small degree of maths in that as well and mm. understanding of averages. But this, you can use your, you know, it's, it's almost like a de- developmental tool of yeah. understanding how stuff will react, how you interoperate with other people and then mm. developing that ability to... Uh, to work with each other and, and explain yourself, think ahead, mm. um, think not just how, what you're going to do, but what two, three people ahead of you might yeah. want to achieve at the same time. So yeah, it's, it's great to 
kind of activate that part of the brain as well. So yeah, so there's like I said, a couple of things that entire like I said, peak of design in terms of its cooperative cooperative nature, its slight differences from a vanilla pandemic that make it more interesting and more thinky. And finally, like I've we've extolled about already, but I just want to really put a, a, an underline on it: the cleanliness and elegance of the design of Pandemic Iberia and the wider Pandemic series, but especially um, sort of underlined in this particular version. It's so lean; there is no wasted effort in the design principles of this game. That's that's a hundred percent correct. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, sharp, very sharp indeed. So, thanks for listening to Bored Stupid. Subscribe to us for updates and to get future episodes of the show delivered directly to your ear holes via your favourite podcast service. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stupidboardnerds. That's B-O-A-R-D. Makes me feel sick every time I say it. Uh, on Twitter at boardnerd, B-O-A-R-D. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and at our home, anchor.fm slash boardstupid, B-O-A-R-D. Wherever you can find your favourite podcast flavour, you'll find Bored Stupid. And if you can't, let us know. We'll stick it on there. If you like our content, please do us a massive favour. Give us a five-star review wherever you can review us and share the links to the episodes on your social media. If you've got any feedback, comments or questions, stick it in the comments below because we would love to hear from you. Have you played any of the Pandemic versions? There are a few now. You have Pandemic Legacy, which is kind of an incredible um, experience campaign mode of Pandemic, I guess. It's a one and done. Really cool. I think you'd really like that. Yeah, that sounds good. You would love that. I guarantee you. Phenomenal experience. There is a sort of an eldritch horror-themed Pandemic with tentacles and stuff, which I'm sure I would love. Um, As if it's not already difficult enough. do not need more tentacles. Uh, Seriously. I guess, I guess. Um, Or have you played uh, Thunderbirds, another Matt Leacock design, which uses that same design principle of the constantly intensifying uh, automa? Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again real soon. I'm not feeling so good. I'm going to go for a lie down. (laughs) 